0: episode 274 how to attract the right customers with brand storytelling hanging out with amber williams hello and welcome to she did it her way a podcast dedicated to helping you launch a business that allows you the freedom to create from anywhere design your own schedule in a way that supports you and pursue what it is that lights you up i'm amanda boleyn your host and it is time to do it your way Welcome back to the show, you guys, and happy July. Oh my goodness, we are already in July of 2018. Where did the first half of the year go? It is like it just flew by. I feel as if I blinked, and all of a sudden, here we are. We're halfway through the year. If this is not a reminder to start taking action on your goals and what you want to accomplish, then I don't know what is. I know for me, it's another reminder to assess and take inventory if I reached my goals what I am planning for the next six months, which I will talk about later. One of them is making a slight, I don't want to say pivot. It's not an upgrade, but a slight change to the podcast, something that I'm going to test out that I'm really, really excited about. It gets me jazzed up and I'm excited for you because I think it'll be super helpful as a listener to tune in and actually get even more value out of the podcast. So you're going to have to stay tuned for that. Herway Society open enrollment closes tomorrow, Tuesday, July 3rd. So if you are thinking or want to launch your business while working full-time, then this society is definitely, definitely for you. Monthly coaching. We're going to have guest experts join us. You get access to the 18th month checklist that tells you step by step what exactly you need to do in order to launch your business. And then we get to tweak, iterate, change, modify, grow all in the Her Way Society. Head on over to shedidahherwaypodcast.com forward slash Her Way Society to learn more information and to sign up. All right. Now for today's guest. I've got Amber Williams, who is a writer, master brand storyteller, and creator of Punky Flair, a brand story shop based in Washington, D.C., where she helps startups and CEOs understand their audience, communicate their vision, and sell with their story. She's helped global brands like Camille Rose, Heat Free Hair, and Shea Radiance create new messages that grab their customers' attention. You guys, she walks us through step-by-step step exactly what she walks her clients through in this podcast episode. So grab a pen and paper, because we're going to talk about how... Punky Flare started, learn the importance of market research. We're going to learn about the story brand. And then Amber is going to walk us through her story craft framework. So get excited, get ready. Here's Amber Williams, how to attract the right customers with brand storytelling. All right, Amber, why don't you just take us, dive right in, describe what exactly is your business? What is Punky Flare? Tell us what's going on. Yeah,
1: absolutely. So um uh, well it's so great to connect with you and have this conversation and share more with your audience about Punky Flair. So yeah. Punky Flair is a brand storytelling shop um that I created about four years ago. And it is dedicated to helping entrepreneurs, um, CEOs, small and large brands really understand their audience and sell with story. Um, And so I work with mostly startup businesses um, and women who are in that like two to five year phase of their business. And they are looking for ways to set themselves apart from the rest of their competitors and for ways to really communicate what makes them special. And so I know that story is the answer to that. And so I help them uncover their stories and tell it.
0: I love it. And we are definitely going to dive in to some of the things that you help your clients with when it comes to story, story brand telling and setting their business up for long term success. But first, I want you to share your your journey and how you transitioned and what did what did life look like for Amber five years ago before coming into full time entrepreneur?
1: Oh, my gosh.
0: (laughs) Maybe we need to back up more.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's so funny because I actually have a really varied background. And so, you know, all of my little places and experiences, all my dots did not connect until about Mm. four years ago. Um, And so, (laughs) you know, I studied psychology in college um, and at the time really thought I was going to be a lawyer. Uh-huh. Um, you know, so I thought I was going to cross examine criminals and, you know, really get inside their minds. And, you know, I think about a month before graduation, I was like, I want to go do fashion writing. And so, uh, it was too late to change my major and I moved to New York city and started working at Armani, started doing, um, fashion shows. And I landed this really great experience okay, doing it Yes, that's baby girl. This is my life. <laughs> um, I landed this really great experience doing marketing communications for Armani. And so um, nice. when I was there, I really, really fell in love with writing for brands and communication and how my psychology could actually be used to like persuade people to buy. Mm. Um, and of course, working at Armani was wonderful, even if I was getting the trash there, it would have been a great place to work. So, so, you know, when I left that experience, I decided that I really, really wanted to master this craft. Um, And I didn't know what the craft was called at that time. Today, I know that it's storytelling, but I knew that I wanted to master this idea of putting words together and communicating to customers in a way that captivated them right? Like made Mm -hmm. them buy into brands and not just buy something from the brand, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So I decided to leave there and um, go get my master's in marketing communications. So headed off to Chicago um, to formally study integrated marketing communications. And at that point is where I understood this whole story, you know, side of marketing. So you know, I went on to work in several big companies. I worked on brands like Volkswagen. Yay. I worked on brands. <laughs>
0: hear her. Um, and she's singing hi. <laughs> I
1: know. Caden says hi. Um, I worked on brands like Volkswagen, um, the United States Olympic Committee, CVS. So I got some experience. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, like really, really huge brands. And, you know, every marketer's dream to work on because the budgets are just limitless, right? Yeah. And so I got a chance to see what they do to get their customers to buy into their brands and how, you know, they're able to build these just tribes of people who love them and stick with them and are so loyal to them. Mm -hmm. So, when I got pregnant with my son, I decided that I wanted to finally take all of that experience and all of that insight and my natural passion for women-owned businesses and create my own thing. Um, you know, I wanted to create my own surface that I could have, you know, my own special touch on. And so I created Punky Flare when I was actually out on maternity leave, mm. <laughs> um, from having my son. And at the time I didn't think that I would go full time as an entrepreneur, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but I didn't want to return back to a place that, um, you know, I just didn't feel like would fit my new lifestyle as a mom. And -hmm. so I knew that the flexibility that I wanted and the kind of people that I wanted to help, um, I could only do that if I became an entrepreneur. And so that's what I did. So that's a long answer to your question. <laughs>
0: I love it. So the the maternity leave was really the catapult for you to you, you that's when you started Punky Flair and then so talk to us about what the first I mean you're 4 years in business now and I'm I know it's a lot different now than it was when you first started. Take us back to the early days of what life looked like with Punky Flair. How are you as a business owner? Um, Did you know right off the bat who your target market was and your story? Or did that also evolve over time?
1: Yeah, um, I would say that definitely evolved over time. So when I first started Punky Flair, you know, I think I did with what most entrepreneurs do who are coming out of their corporate experience, which is default to doing exactly what they were doing. Right. Because you know Mm -hmm. how to do it. You know how to package it up. You know how to sell it. And so I was offering services like social media Um, public relations, online reputation management. I was doing everything that I did in my previous jobs. And the things that people kept asking me to do was what I really wanted to lead with, but I was kind of scared, which was story, which was messaging and writing. So I did not think people really understood that. I didn't think it was sellable. And so- Mm -hmm you know, after about two years in business, um, in working with my startup clients who were mostly all in the beauty space, I finally decided to do my own like customer client survey. And I asked them, well, what are the things that I've done for you that, you know, I've done a good job of, but you could probably find someone else to do them.
0: Ooh, then, such what, a great question.
1: Yep, yeah, And then I said, and what is the one thing that I've done for you that no one else on this planet could have done
0: mm. that?
1: If you could only hire me to do from now until infinity,
0: what is that
1: one thing? And Amanda, it's so funny because I asked this the five people and they all said the exact same thing.
0: No way. What was it?
1: It was storytelling. Mm. They said if the, the thing that, no one else could do the way you do is tell my brand story is to pull my vision out of me and put it into words. And so after that, I decided to totally run with storytelling because it resonated with what most startups need. And it really, it, it it showcased the skill that I have and how it can be applied and how much it helps people. And so Um, the journey has definitely evolved, but I'm so happy now because at this point I've truly found my sweet spot and it's just the perfect match of my passion and what my clients need.
0: So, yeah. So I have to ask too, because you did say in the beginning, it's typically in two to five years of business. What was it that made you decide to stick to two years and not someone who's in the first year?
1: Well, you know, I, st- I work with people who are in that first year, but I find in that first year, they're also kind of in that proof of concept phase mm. right? where, you know, they're working on defining who they are, right? Mm-hmm. And figuring out who they're here for. And then when you get into two to five years and you have some sales, what typically happens is either the people who bought from you in the beginning are no longer buying from you um, or competition has come in and completely replicated whatever your product or service is. And now you can't capture the attention of your target customers anymore. And so that happens during that two to five year phase. And the only way to kind of cut through that clutter is to have a compelling story. Whereas people in that first year have the advantage of being brand new right they're new they're
0: mm.
1: press picking them up um but 2 to 5 you're trying to keep chugging along and that's when you really need you know to to lead with story in your marketing
0: yeah well so let's i think this is a great time to pivot into talking about the actual elements of story brand and so walk us through maybe a process or the methodology you take your clients through so that my listeners who are tuning in can can apply the same steps to to their own business and get a get a sense of where they can start when it comes to story brand telling.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, my story craft framework is a kind of it has seven steps to it, right? And so if you think about, you know, the, your favorite story, right, like your favorite novel or your favorite movie or your favorite childhood tale, I'm willing to bet that whatever your favorite story is, is your favorite because there is a customer that or it's not a customer, a character that you see yourself in, Right. It's usually the star character or the supporting role, but there is a character in that story that you totally identify with. Either that character showcases who you are now, or that character represents someone that you want to be. And so that's the foundation of story craft is understanding that your customer is the star character in your brand. Mm -hmm. And so when I work with my clients, the first thing that we do is identify who that character is, right? And this is what we honestly, Amanda, spend the most time on because so many people, they think they have a customer profile, you know, if they have age, um, income, city, you know, job, maybe even like, you know, an idea into some of their preferences, but a true like customer characterization delves way deeper than demographics. Like it goes into lifestyle, like the emotions your customers want to feel after they buy, it goes into their personality and, you know, their media preferences. Like it really, really digs deep to get to the core of who these people are. Right. Mm -hmm. Cause I always say that People don't buy products, they buy stories. Mm -hmm. And they buy stories because they want to connect to people. People want to connect to people. And so you first have to figure out who your people are. And then we work through an understanding, well, what conflict or problem are your people having, right? Just like a great story, it starts off well with the character and then that character runs into some kind of challenge. So we work to try to identify what is that challenge or conflict that your customers are having? What are some of their expressed wants and needs? And businesses, they can kind of find some of these answers sometimes without even asking just by, you know, running through the stream of comments, you know, on their social media, or, you know, kind of stalking some forums that are around their customers, You know, industries that they're looking for help in. So, what is your customer really facing? What do they want? And then we work to figure out well, what is your brand's role in this entire story, right? Is your brand affirming your customer? Are you connecting your customer to a solution? Are you encouraging them? You know, think about like a family story. What role does your brand play and what character is your customer in? Mm. You know, so mm-hmm. I always ask some people, what's your favorite television show? And
0: what is yours?
1: What is mine? Oh, my gosh. Well, I have two little kids. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out what TV I get to watch besides CNN. <laughs> uh. <laughs> but I ask my clients this very question, and they, they'll usually give me you know something that comes on primetime on ABC or something, And I'll give them the exercise to identify which character represents their customer, and then challenge them to figure out which character represents their brand. And then I ask them to take a look at how those two interact.
0: Give us an example.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, let's see, one of my customers, um, recently said that they felt like their customer was, um, being Mary Jane, uh, in the show being Mary Jane, they thought their customer was Mary Jane. Mm
0: -hmm. And so,
1: you know, Mary Jane is this woman who has it all. And, you know, she's got this amazing career. She looks fabulous. Um, she makes great money, But the one thing that she does not have is a relationship. She doesn't have a meaningful relationship in her life. And because of that, she tries to overcompensate professionally, right?
0: Mm -hmm. And
1: so my client, um, who was a high-end beauty brand, they felt like that was who represented the people that they wanted to reach. Their customer had a lot of disposable income. You know, it's the girl who had it all but not the one thing that she wanted. And so they said that they felt like her brand, their brand was actually Mary Jane's friend in the show who did have it all, who had that same success, um, but who also had that meaningful relationship that Mary Jane wanted so bad. And so we positioned the brand as the missing piece to fill up their customers' wants and desires.
0: Oh, I love it. Ooh, that's a, such a great exercise. i'm gonna do that after after we get off the call and think about that. I love that
1: uh, it's It's super fun too because it makes people kind of it makes business and branding hit home and it makes it relatable and fun um for the entrepreneurs who I work with who want to have a hand in this whole process.
0: you know, mm-hmm. yeah, no, absolutely. So number three was the brand role in the story, and then number four is.
1: Number four is then identifying your story theme. So all great stories have a theme, right? Some of them are um, exciting. Some of them are kind of daring. Some of them are, um, you know, about courage. All stories have some kind of underlying theme to them. And so the, the process of identifying your actual stories theme, your brand story theme, is starts with identifying that emotion that your customer is looking for. So just like I said that, you know, we felt like Mary Jane um, had that missing, you know, relationship. The emotion that she was looking for was to be, she wanted to be desired, right? She wanted to feel complete and whole. And so your story's theme leads with that very emotion. So at the end of the day, your brand is really selling that emotion it's not just selling those products and services it's selling the emotion or feeling that your customers are going to experience after they buy your stuff so that's the next step and some of these emotions they range you know i have people who their story emotion is confidence right Mm -hmm. like after You use my shampoo or my conditioner, you're going to look beautiful and your hair is going to be, you know, revived and moisturized. But at the end of the day, you're going to feel confident. And Mm -hmm. that's the theme that permeates the brand messaging. You know, other ones may be authenticity or courage or, you know, you're going to feel assured in your own natural beauty, different things like that. But you have to identify that theme because that's what really leads your brand messaging Mm. Um, so I'm just about- thinking.
0: I was in. Um, I just went to the est- esthetician. I'm not sure how. Oh, I God. like bought this Living Social because I saw through a blogger that I follow. Her Instagram, she had recommended. Is it der- dermoplanking? Where they like take off the first layer of skin or something? And I walked in there, and it was just everything was anti-aging and making you feel younger. And so, I mean, it, yeah, when you think about it, maybe taking it apart like you know how to do you're you see you're like oh i know what they're doing but someone who do, isn't on who's unaware of it and walks in like it it kind of hits you subconsciously and you get into the story
1: yeah and that's when you know they've done a good job when you don't get what they're doing right but <laughs> if they speak directly yeah. to that emotion or how you want to feel like you want to feel more youthful you want to feel revived or return to who you used to be, or you want to feel confident or not embarrassed, and they're able to hit on that in their language, then they've done their job.
0: Mm -hmm. I love it. Take us to number five.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So number five is then like the, my favorite part, which is actually story tone and personality. So, you know, your customer you know, the challenge that they have, you know, or what problems are facing, you know, how to position your brand around them. You know what you're really selling that theme. And now you've got to inject that personality into your tone of voice and your messaging. So this part is the best because you get to take that character that you feel like your brand represented and, and, and make a word bank. So, you know, figure out how that customer talks, uh, how that character talks, what's their tone of voice. Are they funny? Are they quirky? Are they bold? Are they sarcastic and adopt that to your own brand personality so that when you start to speak to your customer and introduce them to your product or service, you're speaking to them in a tone of voice that really tells your story and gets their attention. Right? Because customers are attracted to personalities that are either like them mm. or that complement them.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so identifying that is probably the best part and probably the most significant part of storytelling outside of knowing your customer. Because you have to talk right, right? It's mm-hmm. one story, but if you don't tell it in a way that people listen, you know, no one buys.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So you inject the personality into the tone and messaging based on how they talk, um, words they use, and then it's either they want to find someone that talks like them or compliments them.
1: Yep, exactly. Exactly.
0: Awesome. Yep. All right. I love this. This is so great. (laughs) I, I know. I mean, I'm getting a lot of value. This is really great information. So no doubt that my listeners tuning in are as well. So take us to number six and seven.
1: Yeah, I was going to say just, you know, personality is something that I think for most business owners is like such a mysterious craft, you know, to figure out and an exercise I always have people do is to go take a look at that character, watch at least five episodes or rewatch that movie or reread that novel And just write down their phrases, write down that character's phrases, write down what they say when they're happy, when they're excited, write down what they say when they want someone to do something, write down what they say when they're frustrated. So you know the verbs and the language that they're using. Mm. And once you do that, it's easy to figure out what your email subject line should be, how to tell people to go shop. You know, some brands say shop now, some brands say go over, take a look, some brands say grab it, some brands say get it. If you take a look at how that character is speaking, you'll know what lines work for your business.
0: Mm. I love just like the whole exercise of taking yourself out of the equation and looking at it through someone else's story. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Because most likely your brand story has something in common with that character story. And so all you have to do is lay your brand on top of it and then mimic it. Mm. So, um, step six is the narrative, right? So now that you know your personality and how you should talk, now you have to figure out what to say. What are your brand's key messages? And I'll tell you, Amanda, A lot of brands really get tripped up here because they put their entire life story and everything that went into the making of their business, they throw it all on their website. And the reality is the only thing that customers want to know is why you exist, why they should care and how you're going to make their lives better. (laughs) Period. You know, the backstory is good. But it's truly a challenge that entrepreneurs have to take in simplifying. So there's four questions I always tell people that every brand must answer to tell their story. That first one is why do you exist? So what was the problem that you got into business to solve and why, Mm -hmm. why do you care about this problem? Do you relate to it personally? Is this problem currently not being solved? Are the solutions that are out there not adequate enough? Why does your brand exist? Yeah. I don't know if you know the company Third Love. Um, they're a broad company. They're one Yeah,
0: of my I've heard of them.
1: Yes, they're one of my favorite brands. Um, and they do an amazing job of storytelling. And the way that they answer this why we exist question is simple. They say, you know, your body, we know your fit. Like mm. that, That's simple. And it doesn't have to be this long drawn out explanation. The reality is, we know your fit. And we're about to help you find the
0: right one. Yeah. Right? And I think sometimes too, and I'm totally guilty of this. In the beginning, we want to craft it and make it Cute or not cute, but I mean, we want to put our own flair to it. Right. And sometimes doing that and calling something, something different than what it actually is can confuse people in which then when people are confused, they don't buy and they don't stick around.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And that first why you exist has to capture their attention. So um, that's huge. And then the next one um, that's just as important is who you help and how. So get right up front with what you have to offer and who it's for. Now, some brands make the mistake of trying to position themselves as the solution for everyone. Mm. You have to be specific in who your solutions are for, because you can't be all things to all people, right? Like Mm -mm. you, you are here for a certain group of people. And so say that explicitly up front. So there's no confusion. When customers are confused, you know, they don't buy.
0: They just don't.
1: They don't even stick around to keep browsing. They're just like, all right, I'm gone. This is not for me. Bye. (laughs) Yeah, bye, bye. See ya. Yeah. And third love makes theirs really simple too. They say bras designed for the modern woman.
0: Mm.
1: Boom. Um, The next question you have to answer is what you believe. What do you believe as a brand So you could have, like, amazing products and services. You know, you could have an amazing value proposition. You solve a problem that's out there. But, Amanda, I'm sure you know, and I'm sure, like, in your own shopping, customers want to buy into brands that believe in something, right, Mm -hmm, and that believe uh or have values that are shared with their customers. And so I always think of the brand ritual
0: you know, the vitamin brand and how, oh yeah, we had the founder of that on, um, on the podcast earlier. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And how they're so upfront with the transparency of their business and how, you know, I think they say a line like, you know, traditional vitamins weren't doing us any good. And they have these values that explain to customers that you should know what's in the vitamins, you know, that you, put in your body every day. We wanted to know too. And so that's one of the main things you can always count on us for is transparency. And that is told even through their visual story, like their vitamins are packaged clear, you know, their packaging is bright and the bottle is see through. So what do you believe in as a brand? What are your values? Some beauty brands value fair trade and, you know, have amazing, um, you know, differences in their supply chain and where they source their ingredients from. You have to ask yourself, what do you believe in? And are your customers going to relate to those values and beliefs? Mm. And put them front and center. Because if you take a brand that has a product your people want and seems to have all the right features and benefits, and then you take another brand that has the same thing plus values or beliefs that resonate with your customer, that's who they're going to buy from because they're going to feel good about where they put their money.
0: Mm. Yeah, I definitely and I feel I don't I mean, you've been in that in, in the industry much longer, but over time, as generations come through, we have less tolerance for brands that don't have transparency or don't show the beliefs to where we can't connect. And it's just, they're just a brand. They're not, there's nothing, nothing else there connecting us to them.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so that goes back to that whole idea. Like customers don't buy products. They buy Mm stories. If that story that you're telling, you know, intertwines with their own personal story and you know what they're trying to do in their own lives, then you've got them now and you've got them tomorrow. You know, they're not just buying your product, they're buying into your brand ideals. And and that right there is priceless. Yeah. So the next question every brand must answer in their narrative is what success looks like. And this is simple. Um, And a lot of brands put this as the first piece of their narrative, but you have to figure out After someone buys into your products or your services, or after someone experiences your event, how are their lives going to be made better? Mm -hmm. What's going to happen? Are they going to feel more beautiful? Are they going to walk with confidence? Are they going to be, you know, invigorated that they can make their dreams a reality? What does success look like? And this is the piece that so many people skip in the selling process by forgetting to tell people what happens at the end of the story. Mm. What happens? Because your products are, are only helping people achieve something. They're helping them complete that challenge, overcome it. So what does it look like on the other side?
0: Yeah. Do you often, I mean, for the success one too, and what people find as successful. So you said people often skip it or not. um, Why do you think that people look at this one as kind of a passive one?
1: I think they forget that their brands are not, you know, the heroes in this story. I think they forget that customers want to kind of save themselves and so if you look at storytelling, Amanda, like one of the things we always say as storytellers is that your brand is not the hero. You have to allow your customer to be the hero in this journey. And if you stop with your product and you know what you have to offer and for who and what you believe in, if you stop there and don't paint the picture Of what happens after your customer overcomes that challenge then they don't see yourself in the brand and I think most brands stop there because they forget how important of a role their customer actually plays in this narrative Mm -hmm. and so you know Third Love for example you know going back to them they answer this question by saying love the way you feel under each and every look so they've played on, you know, this idea of feeling, you know, with a bra and also the emotional idea of, you know, feeling confident and knowing that you have the right fit under your clothes. So that question is super important to answer because people are most likely not going to dive into all the features and benefits and all the technology behind your products and what makes them amazing. They just want to know what does it look like for them? how it's like, what does our life look like tomorrow or after they use this face wash? What's different?
0: Mm-hmm. What's it going to do for me? What's the benefit? What's the value of of the product or service? Yeah. No. Amen. Totally. What is number? I'm loving this. I know. I mean, it, this, is, this is amazing. So if I'm quiet, it's because I'm taking notes and wanting to dive in even deeper. So what is the final number seven?
1: Yeah, the final number seven. Well, let me just ask you, if you can take a guess. At the end of every story, what is there?
0: Uh, At the, end it, every,
1: the end of every great book. What is there?
0: It's that that transformation, the hero, the um, like the final the the final thing, like what you've been waiting for. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> it's, it's the like, da, da, da. it's the moral of the story. I always think about like when I'm reading my kids you know, um, you know, books at night when we have story time before bed, my son always says, well, let's see what happens. Let's see what happens. And he's always asking, what am I supposed to take away from this? Like, what is the moral of this entire story? And the way that translates to business is what is your brand promise now? So Mm -hmm. you've told this entire story, like You've identified who your star character is, your customer. You've figured out what challenges or problems are having. You've figured out what role your brand plays in helping them overcome that challenge. We know what your brand is really selling, that story theme. We know the personality traits you know, that place your brand smack dab in the middle of this story. We know how to answer those narrative questions And now what is the entire moral of this? What is your brand now promising to always do for your customers? Mm. Every brand has to have a promise because that's what your brand foundation stands on, no matter what products or services you create down the line. So if you take a look at Apple, Apple, I mean, Look at their product SKUs. I mean, they have a million different products that you can buy. Tons of innovative technology. I mean, I am an Apple junkie, right? Mm. But their brand promise is drilled down to two words. Think different. Like, it's so simple.
0: Mm. It's so
1: simple. They promise that at the end of the day, you can count on Apple to think different. And they are promising to their customers that, you're gonna think different, too, when you buy into our brand. So brands have to ask themselves, well, what am I here to do forever? What is the promise that I'm making to my customers throughout this entire journey of product and messaging and solving your problems and making your life better? At the end of the day, what am I really promising underneath it all? And that's probably the hardest part of story craft. <laughs> I was just going
0: to ask you, is this like, this has to be a step where, I mean, cause there's only one, so I'm sure there's a lot of brainstorming that goes into it. A lot of dissecting, a lot of taking a step back, letting it sink in, reflecting and coming back to the table and selecting and really identifying what is that one promise.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And. It's tough, but once you go through all the story craft and you really take that look at your brand from an objective standpoint, you're able to figure out what you've been doing all along Mm -hmm. and what people continue to want from you. Um, So, I mean, Apple was one example. Um, Another one is um, Walmart. You know, their brand promise is simple. Save money, live better they've drilled down their entire business into into that four words um sephora three words let's beauty together what's the one thing that you're always going to do l'oréal is you know the most profitable brand in the beauty industry their brand promise is also simple four words cosmetic innovation for all so i always go back to some of these very simple um examples um But that's what that's what a brand promise is. It's simple and it's general enough to last stay with your brand through time as you continue to innovate. But it's also clear enough for people to know what they can always count on you for.
0: Mm. Yeah, I mean, Amber, these these are such amazing steps. So everything from, you know, who the character star to, what's the narrative injecting personality identifying story theme and then ending on the brand promise like thank you so much for just these actionable very like one two three four five six seven steps that um my listeners can take and really reflect and implement in their business i would love to spend a little time in transition now to some um personal side of of the business and and from your experience and what, um, I want to know one thing, like looking back, what is something that you wish you would have invested sooner in your business?
1: Wow, that is a great question. So I think at this stage, I can answer that without a doubt and say that the one thing I wish I would have invested in is mentors and coaches, um, formally. And so I've always had, you know, great mentors in my life, women who I've looked up to in business, um, you know, women who I've looked up to, to help me, you know, be a better mom and a better wife and just balance it all. But I never formally invested at least early on in a business coach who did not know me personally, who could take a look at my business and my life from an objective standpoint and tell me how to improve. Mm -hmm. And I recently made that investment last year in a coach and it has changed everything for me over the past six months, like it has changed the systems in my business, it's changed my mindset, it's changed how I get new business, it's, it's changed me as an entrepreneur. And I think it's an investment that is so worth it early on. Because, you know, people who you already know, they'll take your excuses, right?
0: <laughs> oh, that's a Yeah, that's a great point.
1: Yeah. They'll take your excuses or they'll, they'll take into account everything you have going on personally and stuff. But a business coach who has an objective standpoint and is really just looking at you as a CEO can give you advice and make it, make you look at yourself in a way that no one else who personally knows you can. So Um, I hope that answers your question that, you know, without a doubt is what I wish I would have invested in earlier.
0: Yeah, I'll echo that too. I found that my business grows significantly more when I invest in a formal coach and when I have in the past and even currently now just, yeah, it's, it's definitely worth the investment. How, talk to us, um, what is something that you are currently working on, whether it's yourself or your business and what is Amber focused on?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So actually my coach has actually pushed me to this super exciting place that I am now. And so, you know, last year I took a look at Storycraft and realized that every entrepreneur was not ready to tackle that entire process at once, right? Some people are just stuck at ground zero at step one and understanding who their customer is. Mm -hmm. And so I created this three-part framework to help people figure out who their customers are and dive really, really deep into their customers' perspective, their personality, and their preferences so they can move along in that storycraft. So I just actually released it yesterday. It's called Customer Kamikaze. Congrats. And yeah, thank you, thank you. It's a three-part framework. That helps entrepreneurs understand their customers so that they can speak the language that sells. So um, enrollment is now officially open. And I'm just so excited to be able to have packaged this up, you know, and it's DIY. And it's super low cost for entrepreneurs who just want to get going in the right direction and start their story off right. So
0: I love it. That's super exciting, especially when you transition from taking everything that you've done one-on-one and being able to package it up in a one-to-many format. So congratulations. Well, my friend, Amber, that's so exciting. I, We are coming to a close here and I got a rapid fire round for you. First question I have is what is your favorite book? Oh my gosh, my favorite book. Um, you know what? It has to be
1: Between the World and Me by Tiny Seacoats.
0: Oh, what is that about? I've never heard of it.
1: My favorite book. It's actually, it's the first book I read that is positioned as a memoir. So the entire book is a letter from Tiny C Coates to his son about how to be in America. And mm. I love it. It's it it's my absolute favorite, I would say new book. Um, I know this is rapid fire, but if I can give you my all-time favorite. Yeah in life, it would have to be Big Magic um, by Elizabeth Gilbert.
0: So good.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, change my whole way I view creativity and being a creative.
0: Yeah. I love it. No, it's a fantastic book. Okay. Um, What is something in your life that is a non-negotiable?
1: Non-negotiable is time with my kids. Period. Mm. Non-negotiable. I am not available in the evenings when I'm cooking dinner, when I'm eating with my family, when I'm having story time with my children, non-negotiable.
0: Love the boundaries. What is the best $100 or less purchase one can make in their business?
1: Oh my goodness. Best $100 or less purchase you can make. Hmm. Jeez, that's a hard one. $100. Let's see. A book. I would say a book buy a book. Um, the seven habits of highly effective people I think is, is probably the cheapest and one of the best investments that you can make. Um, a business book that will help you figure out how to run your business like a business, um, or shift your mindset, I would say is probably the best purchase you can make, especially early on.
0: Yeah, I did. I second that. Then what is something, um, what is one of your favorite quotes that you live by?
1: It's by Albert Einstein. Reality is merely an illusion, albeit a very persistent one.
0: Mm. Ah, So good. So good. I love it. Well, Amber, this has been absolutely amazing. Can you share with my listeners where they can learn more about you and connect with you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So you can learn about more about me. um, If you want to see me behind the scenes, you can check me out on Instagram at Punky Flair. I am at uh, on Facebook as well. Facebook.com slash Punky Flair. That's P-U-N-K-Y-F-L-A-I-R. And if you want to learn about Customer Kamikaze, my new three-part framework for understanding your customers, you can go to PunkyFlair.com slash C-K.
0: Awesome. Thank you, Amber. I appreciate it. Thank you for coming on and spending some time and your energy with us. I really appreciate it.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I enjoyed it.
0: Thank you so much for tuning in to today's podcast episode. For more information, check out shedidherway.com. And if you enjoyed today's episode, I would love for you to leave me a review on iTunes and let me know what you think. Until next time, keep doing it your way.